Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive in these challenging times. We will be interviewing business leaders, owners and experts in the field of business resilience. Uh, welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, today, I have the great pleasure of Mike Maynard. Uh, welcome, Mike. Hi, Julian. Thanks for having me on the uh, podcast. Yeah, it's good to see you and good to have a conversation with you today. And uh, I'm just going to tell the audience a little bit about you. Uh, you are the MD of Napier Partnership, uh, which is a PR-led full-service marketing agency that specializes in the B2B uh, technology sector. And you say you're a self-confessed geek who loves talking about technology. Um, and you began your career as an electronics design engineer, working for companies ranging from GEC, Marconi, and DDA, uh, developing products from complex radar systems to Kim Wilde's mixing desk, which is really interesting. And <laughs> Whether we get onto that, I'm, I'm not too sure, but... It's certainly an interesting thing to talk about. Um, as I ask everybody on the show, because I'm really nosy and curious um, about uh, why people do what they do. So what do you love about what you do? So I wish I could say it's just so easy, you know, but actually I think what I love is the challenge. Um, every day is different. Every client is different. Um, and the rate of change, I mean, you mentioned the fact that I'm a bit of a geek. I love technology. I love the way um, technology influences things. And probably, you know, marketing, um, and I think particularly B2B marketing has been more influenced by technology than almost any other industry. And, and have you always been a geek sort of technology wise and have you always been interested in sort of the aspects of marketing is that i mean where, where's this all come from um so the, the geek bit yes yeah i mean i um when i went to school you know i did the physics and maths um i did an engineering degree um so absolutely always been a geek where the marketing thing came from that that's a little bit of a longer story um because it does feel a bit of a jump doesn't it going from an engineer to marketing i mean that's like a almost yeah, like it, a quantum leap there it, it, it's um it's not that uncommon um but i can't really claim it was desperately planned right. uh so i started off as an engineer i was designing electronic systems um i didn't really enjoy a lot of the um, the kind of bureaucracy and admin behind taking a product from design to manufacture. So, you know, clearly you needed to make sure that everything was right, all the parts were listed, all that kind of stuff. And it it wasn't really my thing. So um, I looked around at what I could do, and I realized that the um, technical support engineers who were coming to me had a company car. And at the time, you know, 30 years ago, that was a big deal, um, a very tax-efficient way of having a car. So I thought, oh, I quite fancy a car. I could help people so I moved into a technical support role um I got myself a car um it was a lovely Astra GSI fantastic car loved it um and started doing technical support worked on that for a while um moved to an American semiconductor company and then eventually realized that really the route forward in my role was to go to the states and I didn't want to do that um so kind of looked around for the next logical career step and, and decided marketing was the thing had an opportunity to move um to become the european marketing manager for this uh this company um and you know it had uh, some great years there so i spent 10 years with this semiconductor company moving really from that engineering to marketing role 
Okay, that's interesting. It was interesting. <laughs> and, and obviously you, you like that, you enjoy it now, and you've done that ever since. Yeah, I mean, I, I love it. There's a lot of similarity between marketing. And, um, you know, thank goodness I'm doing marketing now rather than 30 years ago, because, um, you know, 30 years ago, start of the 90s, you know, it was almost still the Mad Men kind of era. It was all opinion. It was theory. There was um, very little data. Today, the world is completely different. You know, all of marketing revolves around data and understanding whether things work. And to be honest, that's kind of an engineering problem. Mm, that's interesting, actually. Yeah. And it's interesting because I've known a lot of marketeers who've come from a, a science background, actually. And mm-hmm. so it's very similar sort of logical way of problem solving, trying to work and navigate things through. Um, yeah. So today, and we've, we've had a conversation already about this uh, before, about... I know you've got a real passion for uh, really um, bringing on young sort of people within the workforce. And, you know, we know that millennials now are becoming, I don't know, there's some stats that within 10 years, they're going to become the significant part of the workforce or almost will be there now. And then we have the old Gen Zs coming up behind them now. And um, and like ourselves, the Gen X lot will be... Um, so we're becoming a little bit less in the workforce. So it is changing this dynamic. And I just want to understand what is it about the sort of younger sort of people that you're quite interested in and got a passion for? Because you do have a passion for it. And um, that's a great question. I think that, you know, there's a few things. One is, you know, surround yourself with younger people. You don't feel quite as old um, <laughs> most of the time until you talk about music and then you feel really old um, but you know the, a lot of that is around helping myself helping me be a, a you know a better uh, marketer by getting a wider range of views but I think particularly one of the most exciting things is how fast you know people can develop at the start of their careers um, and I think this is always an interesting challenge. You know, I remember when I started my career, you, you know, you leave university, you think you know everything, you walk into your first engineering job, and, you know, the first thing you get told is, right, you've got to understand a degree gets you in the position where you can start learning the first important thing. You know, you don't know anything that's relevant. And very quickly you realize that, but you pick up things really fast. And I think that's that's always quite exciting. Um, so we've seen, you know, younger people join the company and really learn and develop very quickly. Um, and so I, I've really enjoyed that. I found that that really useful. I think clients love to see, you know, um, people at their agency develop quickly. And they also bring some new ideas as well. And, um, you know, some of them, some of them great, some of them maybe not so great, but it's great to see different perspective, people from outside coming in and having uh, a different approach. And and is this a nature of of your business that is obviously B2B technology and, I don't know, wanting that innovation? Or did you make a deliberate sort of play for bringing in younger talents or a combination of both, I guess? I'd love to claim it as a strategy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, ultimately, what one of the retrospectively is now, is it? Yeah, yeah. we we clearly, you know, looked and analysed the situation and worked out young people are right people to bring in to optimise our business. Um, Although a cynic might say that being based in Chichester, there's actually very few senior, experienced um, marketing professionals in the area, Um, and that's honestly the truth. Um, We very rapidly realized that in order to support our growth, whilst we could get some senior people, we couldn't get enough um, to grow as quickly as we wanted to. So we we recognized we had to bring in younger people and had to train them up. It was the only option. 
Okay. And how have you gone out about doing that in terms of bringing people on board, making sure that they'll fit with your culture and fit with where you're going as a business? So that's a great question. We've had a, um, I guess, you know, two real different routes. I mean, one is bringing on um, people as apprentices. And we've had a couple of real significant success stories with um, people coming in as apprentices who've not done degrees, um, who've not got these marketing qualifications. And we've worked with Chichester College, um, who've been fantastic in terms of helping us develop those um, people. Um, and, you know, that's been a really successful way to bring in frankly, you know, very young, very green people into the business and make them successful. Um, the other probably more conventional way is um, through sort of a more of a graduate approach um, where we're hiring in graduates um, and developing them. And typically there, we might be offering them a, um, a CIM, uh, so Chartered Institute of Marketing Qualification, mm-hmm. um, because that's somewhat more practical than they would have got in the degree. The degrees are still... I mean, too academic to, you know, really let people hit the ground running. I mean, when you, when you do a degree, and I've, I've lectured on some PR courses, you know, you're asking the students to think about strategy. Um, you're asking them to think, you know, at a very high level. And actually, you know, if you leave university as a graduate and move to Coca-Cola, they don't ask you to decide the strategy for marketing for Coca-Cola on your first day. You know, you're actually doing a lot of the execution. So, um it is about you know changing that graduate mindset into execution and delivering tactics um and rather than having this big overarching strategy trying to think about very specific campaigns or activities and how to make them work and have you sort of focused is it mainly on graduates or do you take anybody from a a non-degree background i mean what's your focus on that because obviously there's a lot of talk about you don't need a degree or you do need a degree and and a lot of negativity towards degrees uh, i just want to get your sort of thoughts on that really yeah i i mean it's really interesting you don't need a degree you don't need a degree to join napier we've had people very very successfully join napier i mean i've got um you know one of our account managers now emily joined i don't know five or six years ago um literally straight out of school no experience as an apprentice um and she's actually got to the point where she's running you know some of our major accounts and and frankly you know if i had um you know some uh challenges around for example digital marketing i mean she's the person i want on my account she's she's brilliant she's got some great insight into account based marketing she's done tremendously well but equally if you look at people who've got degrees they've had 3 years of training um and as i say mm-hmm. it's not always what i call directly on the job training but they they actually come with you know something slightly different maybe a more strategic outlook certainly you know they're more experienced more mature um i i think both are, are great ways to recruit people i don't know you could say one is better than another they're just different so what what is it you're looking for when you're trying to recruit somebody in that sort of sort of the younger people sort of brackets what what is it about them that makes you think actually they've got something they've got this potential got this spark is there some certain aspects that you sort of see it's unbelievable i don't know if any young people are listening to the podcast but it's incredible when people come and talk to us particularly when they come for interview within two or three minutes you know if they're keen or not you know if they're enthusiastic um and what we're looking for are you know people who actually want to do the job um and that sounds crazy but literally that's what we want to do we want to find people who are keen enthusiastic because they're the people who put the work in and they're the people who develop um really really quickly and 
to me, it's really interesting because you you you'll have some people, particularly the the, the younger um, people coming in, who maybe it's their first job interview. I don't know; it could have been Emily's first job interview, and you know they're nervous, and yet they're not they're not performing at their peak. But in the same time, you can still see that spark of enthusiasm. And to me, you know, that's the most important thing: is is somebody who wants the job and wants to make it a success. And I think as a business, we can give them you know, what they need, the tools and the training to make it a success if they're prepared to put the work in. And, and what, you know, bringing in younger people, because I know you obviously don't just have younger people, you have a wide range of, of, of demographics in your organisations. Um, is there any challenges to other people in the organisation when you're bringing in lots of younger talents, so to speak? I mean, or, or even pitfalls from sort of bringing young talents? Well, I hope there's challenges. I mean, we, we'd love the younger people to challenge the older people, and we love vice versa, you know, um, older people to challenge the younger people. So um, from that point of view, I, you know, I, I guess there's always an underlying element of competition in any business, um, but we're not, we're not an outwardly competitive business. And one of the great things about running a smaller business is you don't have this huge kind of corporate structure to deal with. Um, and if I have someone who's brilliant, I can make them a job and I can create a job. I can create a job title. I can, you know, um, I can even build a business around somebody who's got a particular enthusiasm for a certain area of marketing. So I can absolutely, you know, make someone who's keen, enthusiastic, successful. So it's not a zero sum game. Um, you know, I love the, the, the younger people to bring new ideas to, you know, frankly, push some of the older people on the importance of digital. And I'd equally love the, you know, the older people will look at it and push the younger people maybe on, on quality, um, mm. you know, and it's a very interesting balance. You know, younger people are perhaps more used to seeing marketing on Facebook, which is a little, often a little raw. Mm. Whereas, you know, if you've been um, in business for, you know, 30 years and been seeing that, you've seen like the, these, you know, um, pieces of content that have gone through 20, 30 revisions that have been perfected to the point of, you know, almost utter boredom. But um, you, you get to see these these kinds of, um, you know, really polished bits of content, and that's what you expect. So, you know, everyone can bring their own perspective, and their own perspective's um, always valuable. And I guess bringing that diversity really does sort of uh, create that sense of a thriving mindset and stimulation amongst the, the rest of the business, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'd rather hire someone because they're good, not hire someone because they're, you know, 45 or they've got 10 years experience or anything like that. I'd, I'd rather hire someone who's good. And, you know, the other thing, being a small business, it's much easier to have a, you know, a much stronger culture. And I think we've really focused on a, a culture of people enjoying working together, you know, and I really hope people enjoy working with each other because we pick, frankly, we pick people that we, we as a management team want to work with. You know, that's, that's what we do at the end of the day. No, and I think I've talked to a lot of businesses where they're starting to think a bit more about hiring for attitude as opposed to skill, because uh, you can always teach the skills, the abilities, uh, as long as you've got the attitude to, 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 to learn and develop and grow. Uh, that's really important. Um, so in the last 12 months, how have you found your business, but how have you found developing people in that time or, or bringing pe new people on? I mean, that's been quite a challenge, I guess, or has it not? It might not be in your business. Uh, for us, it's been a massive challenge. Um, and we're still trying to work through why, um, but not having that face-to-face -face element makes makes training, particularly where people are new to the industry or you know, maybe even new mm -hmm. to work, 
Um, it's really, really hard to do. Um, so we are planning a move back to the office, um, probably as a hybrid um, kind of move. But we know, you know, one of the biggest drivers for us, we know is training um, and improving the training. Um, we are doing other things as well to try and make our training a little more formalized. And I think this is probably one of the reasons um, why some people have been very successful, some people haven't. We've had a, a very personal um, you know, almost individual training program with everybody. Um, and I think some companies that have had very standardized training uh, programs um, have actually found it easier to train people when they're remote. Um, and I think the challenge is getting, you know, the benefits of that individual personalized training. People can focus on what they want to do and learn what they need rather than having to learn everything and then work out what's important. Um, so you want to keep that, but you also want to introduce maybe a little bit more formality. So that's what we're doing. We, you know, we've spent a lot of this year where we've done training. It's all been video recorded. We're, we're you know, we're building this library. Um, so we're getting to the point where we've got that kind of training built in now. Okay, I've been talking to a lot of businesses where they've, like yourself, done a lot of stuff online, or they've. Uh, onboarding people uh, is being obviously quite a challenge. And I remember I was talking to one um, uh, sort of a CEO where I think some of his direct reports were when they, they onboarded somebody on uh, in terms of their teams, they would literally put an open room on, on a Zoom so they could just access them, almost like a water cooler. They didn't need to <laughs> ring them. It was just on all the time. And then the, people would just pop in and go, hello, can I... I was wondering, have you done anything like that? Any ways of trying to create those water cooler moments, uh, so to speak, and try to create that almost almost normality of dialogue without being so forced with a formal meeting? Yes, we do, we do a couple of things. I mean, with with new people particularly, we do a lot of like scheduled one to ones, um, so they meet people they won't necessarily even directly work with, um, just so they can get to know the company, get to know the people, um, and then we've tried really hard to get some informal um, kind of elements to the business. So um, we've done the pub quiz. We're still doing the pub quiz, not every week, but we're still doing the pub quiz, which I think is, uh, you know, we must be one of the last businesses still, still I going. Can't remember. I don't know anybody else who's still doing pub quiz yeah. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think this Friday we've got a pub quiz on penguins, which is terrifying me. I feel I don't know enough about penguins, but, you know, that, that's how far we've got down the pub quiz route. Um, so we're doing that, but we also do a, um, like a, a couple of 15 minute morning calls that are, you know, a, a little bit of some good news from the business. Yeah. Um, so this morning we had someone who'd, uh, just pulled in an extra 10,000 pounds of business we didn't expect. Um, so a bit of positivity and, um, we play a game we call throw and catch, which is we, we basically have a topic and we talk about that. Um, and, uh, last week was jokes. This Thursday, I think we need to talk about um, what are the three apps you really couldn't live without on your iPhone. I mean, just anything off the wall, crazy kind of discussions. And uh, it always is quite entertaining. You get to know people. So I think we've, we've tried to tried to have some of that, you know, fun element there. But it, it, is, it isn't as fun doing it remotely. I mean, that's for sure. Oh, no, not at all. I agree with you. And just, just on that, and what are your thoughts on the, the sort of future of work? I mean, that, I mean it's a, a big topic in itself. Uh, just from your own perspective, but also generally, how do you think people are going to navigate this next next phase of, of, of post-pandemic? And I think most people are going to navigate by guessing <laughs> and hopefully we'll end up somewhere that's good. Um, I, I don't think anyone knows. 
Um, you know, and I I think there'll be a an initial where we don't want to go back to the office full time kind of, you know, people being a bit reluctant to go back and, and you know, whether that's from safety health concerns or whether it's from, you know, the benefits of working from home. And then suddenly there'll be like a, a bit of a rush back when people go, yeah, actually, I do want to go and meet the people I work with and my friends. And, you know, so, mm. and, and then there'll be a bit of a pullback. And I think it'll be like these waves of people coming in and out of the office and we'll settle. I, I mean, I, I, I think it's unlikely um, that we'll see businesses go, you know, everybody working rem- remotely if they're office based or everyone working full time in the office. It, you know, it, it's this magic hybrid word, which is, kind of like a, a classic British fudge. You know, we, we, we don't know what the answer is. It's going to be somewhere <laughs> in between the two complete extremes, um, which I think is a fairly safe bet. Yeah. And, and have you got any sort of uh, principles of how you're going to think that through and put it together? Because it is, you know, I've talked to many organisations and that there's like 5,000 ways of doing this. Um and it's really difficult. But have you got any sort of thinking, I don't know, core ways you're going to go, no, we're going to approach it in this way and base it on this to try and ensure we bring everybody with us and keep the communication going? So I think um, in terms of, of principles, there are certain things that we know are more effective in the office. Um, so if you ask people individually, are you more effective and efficient working from home? They'll go, yes. If you ask them, what about the rest of your team? They'll go, no. Um, and, and the reality is, is that individuals become more efficient at home, but teams become less efficient when they're fragmented, you know, and, and it, it's obvious. I mean, it, it's going to happen. Um, and, and trying. So, so our first thing is to explain that that's the problem is we're not mm. trying to bring people back into the office because we think they're not efficient at home or we don't trust mm. them. It's that the team doesn't work as well if you're not together. Um, so we need to find what that means and i have no clue what that means at the moment um but i just know that what we need to do is is do things to encourage people to spend time in the office because that matters mm. um and ultimately it increases their contribution to the business you know whilst individually they may you know may have a, a b- bigger individual contribution um the team as a whole is less effective and and what matters really in the business is how well the team performs not whether you've got one standout individual yeah, and I think you're right. I think having that almost principle at the core about team um, is, is really important. I've been talking to a lot of organisations about, you know, making sure you keep those connections going and those collaborations. And collaboration is, is part of the team. And, and you do that more effectively. It can be done remotely because we've, we've proved it, but more effectively in person. Uh, but through it all, making sure that communication is 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 all the way through. Because there will be moments where however organizations do it where someone be in the office and someone be at the home is how you keep them connected on in the same meeting at that same time and that people don't miss out on uh, yeah. things that are going on uh, and almost, being, almost being inclusive with that really um just going back to bringing on young people and and try creating that sort of culture of of, of focusing on that because that's obviously where the field workforce is going um what other sort of pitfalls might there be bringing on somebody either straight from university or from an apprenticeship sort of point of view? Uh, I think the biggest challenge is not assuming that they know things. Um, And I think that most of the problems we've had is we've assumed something and the individuals never said, look, I just have no clue. Um, And I think we, 
particularly with younger people, they they find it quite hard to admit they don't know stuff. Um, and we keep saying it's fine, it's fine. If you don't know it, just ask. We'll fix it. It's fine. And they go away. They go, oh, I can't admit to the boss. I don't know that. You know, and, and it's very frustrating from our point of view, but it's also very understandable. So, to me, the biggest issue you've got is is really making sure that you don't make assumptions, or if you do, you validate those assumptions with the individual and make it really clear, mm. um, and ask questions in a way that that are not, you know, a direct. Well, can you do this or not? Because there are definitely people, and particularly younger people, not exclusively younger people, but particularly younger people, are reluctant to admit, you know, something they can't do because they see it as a weakness. Mm. Um, and, and as advice to younger people, it's not a weakness. Just be direct, and you know, you'll get taught it, you'll learn it, and it'll all be over very, very quickly. But yeah, I mean, that, that's the biggest challenge we have. Yeah, it's an interesting point actually, because my my youngest daughter, I think she works in a a cafe and and something she she found was found in difficult and i just say just say to the owner you don't know do it i can't do that i can't do that they'll yeah. get rid of me and no, they won't it's okay <laughs> to say i don't know how, even though they've been shown it i don't know how this works and it's that sort of vulnerability i guess at that age where you feel like if you need to know it all because um otherwise you, you'll lose your job which is obviously a concern so what, what do you do besides that to ensure that there is, that you'll get success when you bring somebody in from that perspective uh in terms of helping them to be successful through your organization? I, I mean, that, that's a great question. We, we've, I mean, we've got an amazing um, uh, HR manager, Debbie, who spends a lot of time talking to people and making sure that they're happy. I mean, she's the person we always send, you know, if we feel that there's a problem with someone not understanding something, it, she's the, I, I, I guess the non, in a way, the, the non-managerial person they can trust. Um, She's she's not nasty like us, <laughs> so um, uh, you know it, it's really about talking to people. It's about communication, um, and I think there's, you know, th there has been a challenge, and without doubt, whilst people look at you know remote working, they say, well, Zoom is great. You know, it can replace meetings. Yeah, it can kind of replace meetings. It can't replace the mm. hi, how you doing? Chat when somebody's making coffee. Um, yeah. And I think you know it, it's those informal chats that we're trying to trying to develop to, to find the problems. Um, I, I mean, to be honest, I think most businesses don't have an issue with solving problems. You know, if they have people who don't understand something, or mm -hmm. you know, haven't been taught something, or you know, just never experienced it, it's, it's easy to train people. But it's really hard to find the problem in the first place. That that's the real challenge. So, mm. you know, that's definitely an area. I would love to do a better job on. I mean, I think it's it's something we're trying, and and you know we'll get there, but uh, it, it's really tough. Um, you know, and and particularly with the the dynamics of not everyone wanting to be completely honest about you know what they see as weaknesses, and we might just mm. see as our training failure. Yeah, <laughs> right. and it normally is. I mean, it's normally you know a lot of these problems are down to issues with the training. You know, and, and we can look at it and go, yeah, I can understand that now. When I said, did you understand it? I saw you really didn't, but you said, yes, I trusted you. And, you know, I was stupid. It's my fault, you know, and, and it, it often is, you know, the, the senior people's fault for not picking up the issues. Mm. And do, do they get assigned like mentors? Because I know a lot of organizations work on that sort of mentor buddy system to help them. Not is somebody who's not their direct report uh, or their manager, sorry, somebody they can talk to and offload with and almost, ask these stupid questions that perhaps they feel a bit embarrassed to ask their boss 
Yeah, absolutely. So w- we um, we have a buddy system. Um, we have a buddy system for everybody, no matter how senior they are when they come in. Um, I got told recently we shouldn't call them buddies because senior people get offended, and I kind of thought, well, they're senior people; they can grow out of that. Um, <laughs> so we call them buddies, um, and it definitely helps in some areas. I think it doesn't cover everything. Mm. Um, and one of the things is, is because you're not necessarily matching to somebody who's who's doing exactly the same job. I mean, everybody's doing something slightly different in the agency because the clients are different or the campaigns are different. Yeah. Um, it doesn't always solve the problem. It, it definitely helps. I mean, without a doubt, you know, it's been a, a good approach from our point of view. Um, but it, it, yeah, it can be. It, it can still be a challenge. It's not that. It's not the fix. You can't, as a management team, say, mm. "Right, there you are. You're, you've come in. You're new. Give you a buddy. Everything's solved. We don't have to worry about it." I think you've still got to work and make sure you you mm. deliver that training. And and to me, that's the important thing. What we can do is we can we can expose people to far more than they'd ever see in a even in a university course. We can get them to learn far more things. And it's obviously highly practical as opposed to perhaps more academic but mm. you know the range of things we can get people to to work on is huge compared to what you'd see elsewhere so i think the the training's really exciting and maybe that's another challenge is you know the, the way marketing's going with with this increase in technology mm. it's so easy to keep throwing out new things to people who are just starting mm. no that's, that's interesting actually um and just just on reflection on the last year um what sort of one thing that you've either learnt or done as a business that you're going to continue to do going forward, whether you go hybrid or not, um, just be interesting to know. Wow, um, I feel like we've learnt so much over the last year um, in terms of just just all sorts of things from like being a bit clearer with planning and sharing content and documents all the way through to learning that we don't have to maybe travel as much as we thought we did. I think, I think one of the things we we have learned is, and this is going to sound a bit strange because it's not directly related to the pandemic. Um, but I think as, a, as an organization, we've, we've realized that we're working with, very, very large companies. Um, so we're working with several companies that are multi-billion dollar companies. And sometimes I think being a relatively small agency, you don't feel confidence pitching to somebody that big. You know, you're you're there, you're 30 people, they're 300,000 people. Um, and, and maybe it's a little less intimidating because you're not going into the big corporate HQ and everything because you're doing everything between Zoom. We, we've realized that actually we're, we're damn good at this stuff and we're we're really good at helping these big companies so i I think that's the one thing i'd probably take overall and it's not necessarily a direct learning from the pandemic but it's a result of of perhaps not you know no longer being intimidated by these big Mm. corporate lobbies and you know all all the glitz and glamour that that surrounds huge companies because it's it's just that it's just a bit of glitz um you know and and so yeah i think we we will definitely be more uh, we'll be more uh, forward about how we approach some of our bigger target companies and and much more direct and, and when we do you know it seems to work really well well perhaps the the pandemic has, has created a bit of a level playing field for you which is great 
Yeah, I think I think it helps as well. You know, I mean, obviously, when clients, you know, again, go to visit a huge agency that's got hundreds of people in London, they 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 can afford to have a very nice lobby area, and you know, you can put the koi carp in there and have a waterfall or whatever else, you know, kind of floats your boat. But um, I, I think that that kind of has leveled things out a bit for sure. Mm. But it, it's made it, it it's made it much easier, and we've had you know several really successful pitches with companies. I you know. I think are very aspirational, you know, companies I really want to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been, we've won it. And, you know, we've actually found that we can do a great job. So, you know, I, the more we keep seeing that, the more we can keep pitch, pitching those those very big companies. Brilliant. That's really good to hear, actually. Small companies doing some good stuff. Mm-hmm. Excellent stuff. Well, um, it's been great and a delight to have you on today, Mike. Um, so if people are interested about what you do, if young people are out there, young leaders are listening and want to get in touch with you, how can they um, do that? Um, well, absolutely. Anyone is, is welcome to um, contact me on LinkedIn um, or they can email mail me, mike at napierb2b.com um, or um, they can listen to our podcast. We've got a podcast um, that talks about marketing technology called Marketing B2B Technology. Very simple podcast name. Um, and lastly, if there are young people who would like a job in marketing and, and like the sound of working in an agency and working on b2b um we currently have um two vacancies open um Brilliant. so people can either email me they can go through the napier b2b website um or you can probably find them i think we're advertising them on places like indeed as well so you can probably find them there um, and we'd love some applications brilliant excellent well thank you for your time today much appreciated thanks very much julian if you like this episode then please do subscribe do share with your friends and do check out other episodes in the series. If you're looking for support and help in your organization to create a resilient culture, then please do get in contact with me on julianrobertsconsulting.com. Thank you.